Hi, and welcome back to my story corner. If I mess up a little bit, it's because I have hiccups. Bear with me. We're going to read Beverly Cleary, <gasps> The Mouse and the Motorcycle, <laughs> Chapter 10. Stop giggling at me. The, the Anxious and Anxious Night. <clears throat> at first, Ralph's scheme worked. Kevin delivered. Sorry, Keith. I can't read now. Keith delivered the promised bacon, toast, and jelly. The mice ate sparingly and laid aside leftovers against the against the day Keith must leave the hotel. Ralph's mother continued to worry about tipping room service. I want to do the right thing, she insisted. There must be some way we manage to tip. The mice dared not leave the nest to search for small coins that might have rolled under beds and dressers. It was late in the afternoon when Ralph heard Keith and his parents returned to their rooms very quietly so that his toenails did not make scrabbling noises on the woodwork. He slipped to the knothole and peeked out in time to see Keith flat down on the bed. Do I have to go down to the dining room for dinner? Keith asked his mom and father. I'm not hungry. Uh-oh, thought Ralph. There goes dinner. I told you not to eat the whole bag of peanuts so close to dinner time, said his father. I didn't, I, I didn't eat all of it, said Keith. That's good, thought Ralph. At least there will be some peanuts for dinner. You'll feel better after you get washed up for dinner, said Miss Gridley. Hurry along now. When his parents had gone into room 216, Ralph noticed that Keith seemed to drag himself off the bed. He walked to the wash basin, turned on the cold water, moistened his fingers, and wiped them over his face. Then he turned off the water and gave the middle of his face a swipe with a towel, which he, he turned the towel to the, in the rack in such a way that it immediately fell to the floor. Keith did not pick it up. But there was nothing unusual about this. Boys really picked up towels. What was unusual is that Keith returned to the bed where he sat down and stared at the wall. He did not play with his cars, nor did he eat the rest of his peanuts. He just sat there. Ralph stuck his head out of the knothole. Anything wrong, he asked. Oh, hi, answered Keith listlessly. I feel sort of awful. Say, that's too bad. Ralph vented a little, ventured a little further out of the knot home. I know what you mean. Think about the, thinking about the motorcycle makes me feel awful too. It's not that kind of awful. It's like Keith, I feel awful in a different way, sort of in my insides. Think you'll make it to dinner? Asked Ralph. Oh, I guess so. There was no enthusiasm in Keith's voice. Anything I can bring you? Whatever's handy, said Ralph. Who hesitated to put place in order when he could see Keith did not feel like going to dinner at all. We were sort of depending on you. The housekeeper found all those sheets I had to chew through to get out of the hamper, and I understand she got pretty excited about mice. <clears throat> we're lying low until the whole thing blows over. A smile flickered across Keith's face. Don't worry, I won't let you down. I saved you some peanuts. I thought you might be handy. I thought they might be handy for storing. Gee, thanks, said Ralph. Keith got slowly off the bed and poked the peanuts one by one through the knot hole. When he had finished, Ralph popped out again and said, thanks a lot. Keith smiled feebly and flopped down on the bed once more. 
Ralph went to work, moving the pants away from the knot hole to make room for whatever dinner Keith brought. He felt it would be fun to be surprised by the menu this time. It was something of a shock to find that dinner, which was stuffed through the knot hole much earlier than Ralph expected, consisted of a broke, couple broken soda crackers. Ralph poked his head out to see if more was coming, but Keith was getting into pajamas. Aren't you going to bed pretty early, asked Ralph, realizing he had not heard Keith's parents come in. I felt so awful I couldn't eat, so they told me I had better come up and go to bed. Keith tossed his shirt on the foot of the bed and pulled on his pajama top. When his head emerged, he said, I'm sorry about your dinner. It's the best I could do. All I had was a little soup. That's all right, Ralph was beginning to be concerned. The boy could not eat, neither could the mice. Keith fell into the bed, and Ralph ran off to report the news to his relatives. What a shame, said Ralph's mother, the poor boy. Oh dear, whatever shall we do, cried Aunt Dorothy. Our very lives depend on him. The little cousins huddled together, eyes big-eyed and frightened. Yes, what about us? Said, asked Uncle Lester. How do we? How are we going to manage if he doesn't bring in us our meals? It isn't safe for us to go out pilfering, and the housekeeper has declared war on mice. I knew it was a mistake to demand on people, said Aunt Sissy. We'll manage somehow. We always have. Ralph's mother was trying to be brave, but Ralph could see how worried she was. After all, he did bring us a supply of peanuts. We should be grateful for that. He didn't bring us many peanuts, Uncle Lester. Did not bring us very many peanuts. Uncle Lester did not sound the least bit grateful. The greedy fellow is probably ill from stuffing himself with nuts. He should have saved for us. Serves him right. Now, Lester, fussed Ralph's mom. The boy had a right to eat his own peanuts, but I do wish he hadn't been quite so hungry. Ralph returned to the knot hole. Keith was laying in his bed with a sports car in one hand. How do you feel now? asked Ralph. Awful, answered Keith. Before Ralph could reply, footsteps in the hallway warned him that Keith's parents were coming. He drew back inside the knot hole where he could observe without being seen. Miss Gridley paused by her son's bed and laid her hand on his forehead. He does feel a little warm, she remarked. He probably will be all right in the morning, said Mr. Gridley. He just hiked too far in the sun this afternoon. I hope so, the boy's mother sounded less certain. <laughs> Mr. Gridley filled a glass of glass of the wash basin and brought it to Keith. Here, son, drink this. When Keith had drunk the water, he fell back onto the pillow and closed his eyes. His parents went out of the uh, went out quietly into room two sixteen. When it was good and dark, Ralph ventured through the knot hole. He could hear Keith breathing deeply, and he knew he was asleep. Since he had no one to talk to, he found his little crash helmet where he had hidden it behind the curtain. And after he adjusted the rubber band under his chin, he climbed up to the window to look out into the world beyond the hotel and to dream about the lost motorcycle. From his perch on the windowsill, Ralph saw the parking lot held more cars than usual. This meant the... the motels back on the highway where fooling travelers had followed the signs pointing to the Mountain View Inn. He could hear the holiday weekend activities in the halls, too. <gasps> People walking up and down, luggage being set with a thump on the floor, keys rattling in locks. Gradually, as the night wore on, the hotel grew silent. More silent than usual for now, even for now, even the second floor mice were quiet. 
There oh. were no scurrying, scrabbling, or squeaking inside the walls. In the silence, Keith chopped in his sleep and mumbled something that sounded like motorcycle. In a moment, his mother slipped through the doorway, pulled, pulling her robe on over her nightgown. Ralph hid behind the curtain, peeping out just enough to see what was going on, going to happen. She laid her hand on her son's forehead and murmured, Oh, dear. Almost at once, she was joined by Keith's father, who was tying the belts of his robe. What's the trouble, he asked. Keith has a fever, answered his mother. He's burning up. Ralph was shocked. The boy really was sick. It was not too many peanuts or too much hiking. The boy was really and truly sick. His father turned on the lamp on the bedside table and he took his hand on the boy's forehead. Keith opened his eyes. I'm so hot, he mumbled. I want to drink a drink. His mother pulled back a blank pulled back a blanket while the father pulled, brought a glass of water and held up his son's head so he could drink part of it. Ralph watched anxiously. But this time he was not selfishly concerned about room service. He was not concerned he was concerned about Keith, the boy who had saved him from a terrible fate in the wastebasket, who had trusted him with his motorcycle, the boy who had forgiven him when he had lost that motorcycle, and who had brought food not only for Ralph but for his whole family. We had better give him an aspirin to bring down his temperature, said Mrs. Mrs. Gridley. Mr. Gridley started towards room 216, stopped, and snapped his fingers. He just remembered something. I took the last one back in Rock Spring, Wyoming, he said. I had a headache from driving towards the sun all afternoon. I meant to buy some more when we stopped, but I didn't think of it until until now. I should have thought of it myself, said Mrs. Gridley. I knew we were almost out. Never mind, I'll go at sun, Mr. Gridley picked up the telephone, listened, shook it, listened again, and said, that's peculiar, the line seems to be dead. <gasps> they must disconnect the switchboard at night, said the mother. But surely there is someone on duty at the desk downstairs. Every hotel has a night clerk. I'll go check, said the father, and slipped out the door into the hall. I'm so hot, mumbled Keith. I'm so hot. His mother wrung out a washcloth in cold water and laid it on the on her son's forehead. You'll feel better as soon as we get you an aspirin, she whispered. The minutes dragged by. What's keeping him, thought Ralph. Why doesn't he hurry? The old hotel snapped and creaked. Keith rolled and tossed, trying to find a cool spot on the pillow. Then his mother wrung out the washcloth in more cold water. When's Dad coming? asked Keith, his eyes bright and his cheeks flush. In a minute, soothed his mother. He'll be here in a minute. I wish he would hurry, thought Ralph. Still, the minutes dragged. Finally, footsteps were heard in the hall, and Mr. Gridley returned to room 215. He's here with the aspirin, whispered Mr. Gridley to Keith. At last, thought Ralph. He thought he would never come. Mr. Gridley shook his head. There isn't any aspirin to be found any any place. He sounded thoroughly exasperated. First of all, the night clerk was sound asleep on the couch in the lobby. And... I had a dickens of a time waking him up, and when I finally did manage to, he couldn't find the aspirin anywhere. Oh no, explained the mother. Oh no, echoed Ralph's thoughts. What about the little gift shop off the lobby, said Mrs. Gridley. It must have aspirin. Locked up tight, and the clerk went home with the key, answered Mr. Gridley. Oh dear, the night clerk was really very nice about it, said his father. He even came up and looked in at the housekeeper's office. How far is the nearest store? 25 miles back on the main highway. 
and so the father and it's closed and it closed at ten o'clock. It doesn't open until nine in the morning. The mother held her watch under the lamp, and it was almost one o'clock. It's an hour until morning. She tossed the room, crossed the room, to wring out the washcloth again. What will we do? What can we do? What can we do? Asked the father helplessly. I even telephoned the doctor, but there's still there's has been a bad accident on the highway, and he can't come. The night clerk says he would telephone the milkman before he starts to drive at six and ask him if he can bring some aspirin, but he won't get here until seven or later. All we can do is wait. Keep tossed under the cool washcloth. Mom, I think I'd like to go to sleep now, he muttered thickly. I guess that's all you can do, said his mother. I bent over to kiss his hot forehead before she turned out the light. Ralph did not even wait for the boy's parents to leave the room. As soon as the light was out, he leapt silently to the carpet, and by the time he'd gone through the doorway into room 216, oh, sorry. By the time they had gone through the doorway into room 216, he had hid his little crash helmet behind the curtain and was halfway through the knot hole. Somewhere, someplace in the hotel, there must be an aspirin tablet, and Ralph was going to find it. He only wished he'd had the motorcycle he so he could travel faster. No. End of chapter 10. Thank you for joining me on um, our little adventure. Bye. <laughs> Bye.